Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 298 kb and matt coming at you live from underground studios with the addition of a nice new bookshelf behind matt and we've got a philly sports fan in the white house but before we get into everything else show would not be possible without our incredible local sponsors main auto llc Ducharms pro foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, you see me wearing them every single show. They're doing eyewear the best way possible, and that's our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. Two brothers on Long Island said, why am I going to spend an entire paycheck on a pair of sunglasses when I can create my own sell them for a fraction of the price and still have that same high-end quality. That's exactly what Tomahawk Shades is doing. You see me wearing the Blue Light Plus glasses every single episode. Make sure you check out their Small Batch Collective. They just started sending out all of that round one of the Small Batch Collective, which is their limited run of apparel. Once it's gone, it's gone. They did a, a round of hoodies that look absolutely phenomenal. Check out the Blue Light Plus glasses if you're still working from home. If you're streaming, if you're podcasting like us, looking at screens all the time, you've got to protect your eyes. You only get one set, and that's where Tomahawk Shades comes into play. Fill up your card at TomahawkShades.com right now, and when you go to check out, use our code USP to get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. And right now, free domestic shipping on all orders. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order at checkout. Matt, we, we teased it a bit, but we are back on board with Manscaped. They've signed back on board with us. Very excited. And before we know it, you know, the big game, the biggest game of the year is upon us on our podcasting anniversary, February 7th, down in Tampa Bay. And it's time to get your balls feeling super. And that's why our partners at Manscaped are here to tell you to join the already 2 million men who trust Manscaped products for their below-the-waist grooming needs. And just like Manscaped's partner Rob Gronkowski playing in the NFC Championship game this upcoming weekend, take his advice and shave your super balls. Use the best tools to reduce nicks and cuts before the, before the best game and choose the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Included is the Lawnmower 3.0, which we tell you guys about almost every single week. It's simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. Don't settle for unnecessary roughness below the waist. It also has waterproof technology and has a 90-minute battery. It's going to get you right through halftime of the big game. 
And believe us when we tell you, this is the Super Bowl champion of ball trimmers. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your nuts in the game all four quarters. And the Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost in clutch time. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boxer game to the next level. I can attest to that. Best boxers I have ever worn. Complete your top-to-bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's a whole new balls game this big game Sunday. Coming up right before we know it in a couple of weeks. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Your super balls will thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Tackle your pubes and win the Super Bowl in your pants with Manscaped. And Matt, of course, our newest sponsor that's on board with us, Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania that's headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Currently closed due to COVID, but they do have a full bar restaurants and offer distillery tours weekly when life gets back to normal. I went and picked up a case that they hooked us up with. The place is absolutely immaculate. It's right outside of Fishtown. Beautiful spot. And, you know, those vodkas you find on the shelf, maybe four or five, six times distilled, get it out of here. Stateside vodka, seven times distilled, certified gluten-free, and it's blended with electrolytes. It's the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes that you find in that favorite sports drink that everybody has that starts with a G. It's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market and has won awards for best package in the world. Right now, if you go to statesidevodka.com to purchase your vodka, only the one liter uh, vodka bottles get our discount code applicable to them. That is code USP to get 10% off the one liter vodka bottles. Statesidevodka.com must be 21 or older to purchase and please drink responsibly. What's going on, man? Living the dream. First podcast with a Philly sports fan in the White House. Congratulations to now President Joe Biden and uh, the First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden. Philly sports fans running the damn show. Right. Good to Just see. as we always intended. Yes. Uh, other good news. That we'll kick things off with is it looks like JT Real Muto, it's getting closer and closer that he's going to be back in a Phillies uniform. And that is what you and I have kind of always speculated that was going to happen eventually. We just didn't know when. The Blue Jays go and sign George Springer last night. They almost signed Michael Brantley as well, but he ends up going back to Houston. But they signed Springer for a six-year, $150 million contract. Kind of sets the bar there for what JT should be getting uh we would think and it kind of takes the blue jays who were the last kind of competitor for jt real muto out of the picture phillies in the driver's seat coming from 
all types of sources, including Ken Rosenthal, who is always locked in with those types of negotiations. Phillies have allegedly offered a five-year deal worth $110 million. Wouldn't be shocked if it goes up a little bit, but got to be excited that JT should be making his way back to the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you consider what you gave up to get him, letting him walk uh, just a few years later would be terrible and pointless. So (laughs) at least getting him back, and it seems like you're not going to have to really, you know, overpay to get him back because there's not there doesn't seem you know to be a huge market for him um which yeah we had, we had talked a little bit about it you know there's only a few teams that were going to be interested in him and right away the Mets you know are, are out of contention pretty early on so that's obviously a big point for us but love to have him back I love JT and I think you you clearly <laughs> you had to resign him to begin with even if it was a little bit of an overpay but now that you're going to get him I think at a pretty decent price um, yeah, even if it goes up from from the speculated number, even if it's, I think we had talked a lot about five years, one twenty five being, yeah, you know, around the number. Um, so you do what it takes to to get him back and and bring back, you know, one of the our better performers over the last two seasons. And I mean, you pair him with the way that the Phillies this offseason have kind of constructed a, a flamethrower bullpen. You know, I I talked about it on an episode that came out yesterday. Archie Bradley now in the fold. We'll get your thoughts on that as well. But first thing he does is he starts pining for JT Real Muto. This is a guy that really the only thing they share in common is they're both from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Archie Bradley's never played with JT Real Muto. Uh, This is a guy coming in, you know, fresh off of signing a contract. And the first tweet he puts out after retweeting a couple local area, you know, write-ups and everything is hashtag sign JT that shows you the caliber of player JT Real Muto is outside of your building and that should be just a signal call to the Phillies front office like yeah we got to get this guy back in the building and what pitcher wouldn't want to you know be paired up with JT Real Muto at this stage of their career whether you know they're going to be a rookie or, or 10 years in the league JT is a guy that's universally respected throughout baseball and as always, regarded as like the best catcher in baseball. So if you're in this Phillies organization as a pitcher, you have to be like every Phillies fan right now and just begging this front office to get this deal done so that you know you're going to be throwing pitches to JT Real Muto. Yeah, I, th- I think especially the pitcher aspect of it, you know, how much he's improved guys and he's one of the best defensive, if not the best defensive catcher in baseball. And uh, obviously he's pretty good offensively too. So yeah, I, I think anyone coming here and knowing that they're either going to be starting or relieving would definitely be interested in knowing that JT is here. Not Andrew Knapp, who did look better, you know, in the short season we had last year, but JT is such a clear step above pretty much any pitcher is going to get, you know, it's such a, a commodity to have such a talented catcher. So anyone that comes here to, to throw is going to have a huge upgrade when they, when they working with JT. So yeah, and I mean, it's an important relationship, too, that I don't know that gets talked about enough is the relationship between pitcher and catcher and, you know, the kind of rapport they have to build to be really, really good in the chemistry. And uh, I think JT has that ability and has that ability to improve uh, pitching and has that ability to give guys confidence. And that's going to be huge for the Phillies, um, you know, having him back. And obviously, you know, signing RG Bradley is a good step, but, you know, we talked about you need to be adding at least, you know, two or three starters, you know, to, to this rotation. And we're, we're still shy of that, but it's, it's at least not in action, <laughs> which yeah. is good. 
And I mean, there's definitely been talks swirling around this team where they're looking to add, you know, one or two veteran starters. Obviously, the three at the top are pretty much locked in with Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. And then you kind of are, are figuring out, you know, is Spencer Howard going to be part of your opening day rotation? Is he going to be ready from the shoulder injury? Uh, you know, what are you going to do with Vince Velasquez now that you've settled, you know, in arbitration with him at $4 million? Is he going to be your swing man out of the bullpen? Which I wouldn't mind because I feel like Vince Velasquez, sure, we've seen the flashes of like that 16 strikeout game a couple years ago, but he's a guy that if you can have him come out of the bullpen for one, two, maybe like three innings at most, he's that's where he can succeed because he's not going through an opposing team's lineup three times, four times, and he's he's using less of his pitches and becoming more of a weapon out of the bullpen. Um, unfortunately, they missed out on Kirby Yates to add to the bullpen. I thought that would have been a perfect compliment to Archie Bradley in the back of the bullpen, but he's going to the Blue Jays. I really liked Archie Bradley's approach to his press conference where, you know, he said, I'm not going to talk about where I'm going to be pitching in this bullpen. I don't care if I'm pitching in the eighth or the ninth or closing, whatever it may be. I want to talk about winning. I want to talk about this team getting better. And I want to talk about this team winning championships for a guy that's coming in from the outside, played for two other national league teams that have been to the playoffs and, you know, have been in the thick of things in September where this Phillies team really hasn't, you know, sure, they, they needed to win one more game last year to make the, the playoffs in an expanded playoff year, but it never really felt like they were a playoff team down the stretch. This is a guy coming in that I think is going to inject a lot of life and a lot of energy into the bullpen, and, you know, the video of him from a couple years ago when he was with the Diamondbacks going viral when they signed him, yelling at fans every time the Diamondbacks hit a home run at Citizens Bank Park, I thought was hilarious, and I mean, he's a guy that I think fans are just going to gravitate towards and he's already started pandering on Twitter like we all love um you know asking fans what accounts to follow Archie we're, we're still waiting for the follow but we know if, if you saw us follow you you would have followed us back um so don't worry no no pressure and you know he's taking recommendations for podcasts to listen to and I, I think he's really just like indulging himself into this fan base that he knows is like super into this team. They want to see this team succeed, and you want to see that from your free agents that you bring in. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's the the Bryce Harper yeah. play. You know, just coming in and immediately embedding yourself in kind of the hearts and minds of the fans, and that obviously helps ease us into you know you as a person and getting to know them, and also I think just. You know, it gives you a little bit of wiggle room if, you know, maybe you struggle a little bit. Especially you, as a bullpen guy. Right. You know, it's a high-pressure job. So, you know, some failure will probably be met with less criticism if, if you're this open and this willing. But, yeah, it's it's a good sign, too, you know, that, that he seems to be just super charismatic. You want guys like that in your team. You want to root for guys. He seems like the kind of guy that you want on your team. You don't necessarily want to be facing because of, you know uh, – some of the things that we've seen obviously with the videos in the past but yeah it's um it's a good move for the Phillies you know all, all things told but it's still a story I think of this offseason that you're, you're still searching for more and you're searching for it feels like we're going you know weeks at a time with, with absolutely nothing and then we're getting these you know smaller you know, nuggets right you know and this offseason has been pretty slow and even JT you know now you're talking about you're almost in February yeah, and, and this hasn't been figured out, which you know you're closing in on, you know pitchers and catchers reporting like pitchers and Andrew Knapp reporting. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Pitchers and catcher. <laughs> so, you know, you want to, you want to get this done soon. And I would have preferred this to have been done. You know, I feel like we say this every off season now with the Phillies because every off season they're in some kind of free agency bid or they're, they're re-signing someone, you know, you just want this stuff done early. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice if this was done like, I don't know, November. <laughs> yeah. But you know, hopefully it gets done soon because you don't want this. You don't want this, especially now. We have no clue what the season's going to look like, and you want as soon as these guys are able to practice and get to know each other and build up some of that uh, camaraderie again and that chemistry, you want them back immediately. You know, let's not forget this past year has been super disruptive for you know every sport, obviously, but baseball as well. You know, started in spring training, then got stopped, and then restarted and. You know the whole labor dispute, right? There's, there's, you're gonna want to develop some rhythm here, and um, that involves getting JT back soon. And by soon, I mean it would be nice if we wrapped up tonight and JT. You know, let's, let's break the news tonight, Dombrowski, which he also spoke during Archie Bradley's, uh, you know, press Zoom call and said it seemed like the Phillies have more wiggle room slash money to spend this off season than he initially came into the fold expecting. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, but it is nice to hear that from the guy that's in charge of, you know, making the moves and the guy that's going out and getting the players that there is hope that there could be more money to be spent. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm also, you know, whenever they don't mention physical numbers, whenever you just hear there's more, more could be anything, more could be an extra oh, dollar. Oh, sure. <laughs> found a quarter on the ground. Right. You know, John Wilton, like, cleaned out the couches and found some... Uh, some money that he can use. Yeah. They finally cleared out uh, Matt Klintak's desk. I wonder if some of that is just tied to the fact that I think in general, there's more like positivity about the future, especially like the future of like an outdoor sports stadium hosting fans. You know, mm-hmm. they saw the Eagles at least get to host what two or three two games, maybe uh, home games with like, I don't know, 5,000 fans. The, the Steelers, the same thing. There's hope that at least, you know, come the summer that you could have, I don't know, 10,000 fans at Citizens Bank, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I think with a stadium like that where it is multi-leveled, it's right. not just two levels like a, a smaller football stadium. Citizens Bank Park has four levels to it. And, and it's it's all open air, obviously. Right. Like, you know, we, we know that the risk of open air transmission is a lot lower. So, you know, I think there's hope that baseball, and you know, will be able to it won't have, it won't be packed stadiums. It mm-hmm. won't be like what we're used to. But you're going to be able to have some revenue that way. Unless you're in Kansas City, right? <laughs> <laughs> or ta- or Tampa Bay. You know, well, yeah. I guess Florida. They're just <laughs> they're on their own planet. Yeah. They they've been existing in a different. Realm. Well, the Rays are good because allegedly they don't get fans anyway. So. Right. What's the difference? Although people, I think, are yearning for anything. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting just because I think teams now the the future seems a little more certain you know whereas let's you know let's be real two three months ago yeah no no one had no light at the end of the tunnel no light at the end of the tunnel no one had any clue of like what the 2021 would even look like how deep into 2021 and there's still obviously lots of question marks especially like vaccination and stuff like that but you know i think it's i'm sitting here reasonably confident that people will be able to go to baseball games this july you know this june you know, everywhere, not even just in mm-hmm. the few states that are letting people just do as they please now. Like, I feel reasonably certain that even the Phillies will be having mm-hmm. five to 10,000 fans. And I think that gives John Middleton, I think that gives all other owners the incentive to want to spend. Because also, you know, and we've seen this crop up with especially some of like the NBA teams that, 
if there was ever a year to tank, this is it because you're going to be getting no fans booing right. you. You don't have to face that kind of public recourse. So knowing that you might have some people there that are going to you know voice their displeasure about you know if teams are doing poorly or if you don't re-sign JT or you don't go out and make a, a bigger or more aggressive move or at least just you know, filling in some holes that you're going to have to actually answer questions now from the fans. And that's that could also be an incentive to, to make some moves. Yeah, and I mean, you look at just what they've done this offseason, minor trades that have improved the bullpen. You sign Archie Bradley for $6 million for one year. And like you and I have always said since the beginning of this podcast, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. You know, if it, if it works out, fantastic. You potentially re-sign the guy. If not, he's gone in a year. There's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Um, $6 million that you spend on the bullpen in free agency money. Imagine if the Phillies would have done that last season. They'd been in the playoffs. They would have been a playoff team. Right. Just to improve the bullpen by one. Like, outside of his, his online pandering, just knowing Archie Bradley's track record alone got fans excited because of the type of pitcher he is. feels like he's been in baseball forever. He's only 28 years old. And last season when he was traded from Arizona to the Reds, he only gave up one hit. It was a home run, and he had a 1.13 ERA, and he's reunited with Caleb Cottom, who's now the Phillies pitching coach, who clearly unlocked another level of Archie Bradley. So that signing in and of itself I think is fantastic because it brings a guy who's been to the playoffs into this bullpen it's a guy who is universally liked throughout the sport, and I think he's going to help a lot of the guys that are coming back that are in this bullpen, like a Hector Neres. You know, if Sir Anthony Dominguez gets back to form from his Tommy John surgery, if he ends up pitching this year, who knows? Helping still, out these that young still guys beats me up. That he, it's wild that surgery delayed. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's. I think it's a great move for you know in the clubhouse. He seems to be a fantastic human being off the field. Um, I, I tweeted out a video from September when he was talking about the entire Black Lives Matter movement and how he wanted to be involved. And, you know, it's more than just, you know, posting and, and saying so. It's about doing and taking action as mm -hmm. well. And I think he's just a, a really good dude to have in this organization um, as opposed to some of the other guys that they've had in this organization over the past couple of years that fans might not have liked. I think Archie Bradley's going to be a guy that the fans gravitate to the players gravitate to and from talking to people you know around the team and everything they're super excited to have him in the fold yeah absolutely and you know I, like you, you pointed out there's a talent aspect to this too that can't be understated that he's going to be a pretty clear upgrade on on what we currently have and um, that's important because we've had a lot of misfortune with with bullpen in the last few years you know Dave Robertson's a guy that comes immediately yes. mind like comes in you think, wow, this is a really strong signing from us. This is a really good, like, good veteran guy, never injured. He Consistent. Like, his one game that he plays, he has, like, a terrible uh, blown save, and then we Come don't see him. to find out his elbow is destroyed. Right. <laughs> and you'd, you'd never see him in the two years that he's here. And that's just that's just the way it went. And he wasn't the only one that was like that, where it's just constant injuries, you know, on and off the, the injury table. So hopefully he has better luck in that way, especially on a one-year deal. But... Yeah, you know, we we saw it last year with Didi, right? You know, on a sort of his on yourself. Yeah, his situation was a little different, obviously coming off injury, but you know, it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a prove it kind of deal, and um, you know, that's another name you want to you want to see back, of course, is is Didi. But yeah, you know, I think if this team brings back 
everyone that we had from last year and makes two more meaningful additions, then you're in a good place. But, you know, again, we have to see those additions and we have to see everyone come back too because not everyone is, is re-signed, obviously. So um, there's still lots of questions. This year is going to be strange though because, you know, you're going to have an actual full season now. You know, we can't mm-hmm. forget that last year was a third of a, of a normal season. Um, and what you saw there was some really good stuff and also the collapse at the end was as depressing as you know any of 2018's Phillies you know or like it just sucked and you hope to not see that again um I don't know what kind of lessons you learn from that as as players or as coaches but I mean that was just gutless you know at, <laughs> at the end of that it really was so hopefully you know this season as, as we you know we think about it we're getting closer and closer now um, we see more consistency out of this Phillies team. That's that's what we've lacked over the last few years. You know, we went on that what ten or eleven game win streak mm-hmm. um, where Bryce was killing it, and you thought like, wow, like this team turned a corner finally, and they didn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it feels like we've had so much of that in the last few years. Obviously, you know, you're gonna have streaks like that to just throughout a, a long season. But what was what was it about not winning five straight? Like we hadn't done that in. Like two or three years. Like this was this past season was the first yeah. time we had done like that's stupid. Sickening. <laughs> you know? like, and so hopefully things like that change um with the Phillies and it is a little bit of, of wait and see with them, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the more JT news that comes out, we will keep you guys informed on it. Um but it feels like forever since the Sixers played, and honestly, first time in a long time that I have uh, been clamoring for some Sixers basketball. They were postponed on Sunday when they were supposed to play uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder due to contact tracing, thankfully not involving the Sixers. And hopefully, you know, Jonas Valanciunas is okay uh, because he was put into the the protocol and everything. Grizzlies again postponed tonight, so we'll see what happens with them. Um, But the Sixers back at it. Two-game series against the Celtics at home. First time seeing them since the preseason and uh, Joel Embiid is active tonight. Sixers accidentally said that Dwight Howard was starting tonight. Quickly deleted that tweet after Sixers Adam uh, was like, he's going through his pregame warm-up and even more extensively, and now he's not playing. And then immediately tweet deleted. Um, but Joel Embiid is playing tonight, so that's a good sign. Um, you know, post-James Harden saga now. Kind of got to move forward with it, and uh, hopefully this team can, you know, continue to kind of beat up on this Celtics team like they have the past couple of times outside of the postseason. Right. Yeah. That's that's the big <laughs> that's the big qualifier there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think their Celtics are without Jason Tatum tonight, uh, so they're a little weakened from their their normal uh, normal space here. But yeah, it's it's good. Obviously, having Embiid back helps. You know against the Grizzlies anytime you're without Embiid now you're really like clutching the edge of your sheet and by the way you know we talked so much last year about the Philly uh the Phillies the Sixers away record they're two and four uh, away from home this year yep um not a a glistening start to that to that record you hope that that we're not sitting with what were we like 11 and 30 on the road last year <laughs> um you hope that that swings around but again still dominant at home seven and one when Embiid plays and you're at home, you have to feel good about your odds. And that's obviously good as we start talking about, you know, the postseason and things like that, because ultimately if, if Embiid's playing, you have to feel good about this team's chances against anyone. And that's that's huge. And that can't be understated. And just how 
impactful he's been this year. But that Grizzlies game was a tough watch. Um, absolutely brutal. And I was bummed that we didn't get a good bounce back the next day against the Thunder. And you know, you're running into this a lot this year with these postponements and you know teams just getting kind of run that through. That scheduling it. was so weird to me too. Having back-to-back road games in you know right. kind of a, a distant travel you know situation too. That was a weird scheduling you know by the NBA there. But it is a Sixer, so should expect it. Yeah, it's it's it is strange because you'd you'd ideally like to see cut down on travel on, on back-to-backs if you're going to have to do them or why not just have a back-to-back with the Grizzlies like we we've seen that a lot this year, you know, with like if you're doing any back-to-backs do against yeah, make it just a series. I get they're out of conference, but it's like their upcoming schedule after this Pistons game. They're at home against the Lakers and then three straight road games against the Timberwolves in Minnesota, then they go to Indiana to play the Pacers and then down to Charlotte to play the Hornets. Right. You know, which is is manageable at least, though. You mm-hmm. know, and there's there's a, a day for travel in between all yeah. of them at least. So that's that's good. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, and now you know, obviously, it comes a question of when those games get fit back in and how how hard that's going to be. I think tonight was the 16th postponed uh, game, uh, which is which is tough. Yeah. The Wizards are your theory was correct. Someone on the Wizards did have look at COVID. that. Um, so yeah, it's. The COVID situation in the NBA is definitely um, not great, <laughs> and isn't. <laughs> it's difficult because it's harder to control, especially in like an indoor environment where these guys always are. It's not like the NFL where you can at least have guys on outdoor practice, you know, and you can mitigate risk that way. And you know, when you're playing and you're outdoors, it's, it's less risky than when you're in a building. And obviously, you can't do really a bubble situation, so it's it's difficult for the NBA to get through this, but. The Sixers, I don't want to say thankfully, but the Sixers have already had kind of a you know, COVID Mini issue. Outbreak. So you hope that that re- reduces the chance that going forward they have to have any games postponed. Although it's probably worse to have to still play the games when half your team uh, yeah. isn't available. Um, but yeah, and you know, obviously we still haven't had Seth Curry back. We won't see him until hopefully this Friday. Because he has to get back up to speed. And you're seeing that a lot too, that even guys that mm-hmm. come back, it's going to take them a few days just, uh, you know, to, to practice and train again um, and be back with the team before you even see them. And that's without any potential for, you know, rust or, you know, any side effects that they might still be having. So it's all a mess. And you just have to hope that you're not hit with uh, the, you know, the, the, the hip fire from all of this. If you're Doc on Friday, say Seth Curry does play, do you have him come off the bench? To kind of ease him back in where it's like, you know, you're not giving him full-blown starter minutes. Let him kind of ease himself in in manageable chunks and see how he plays before you integrate him back into the starting lineup. Because it's, you know, in his absence, we've seen kind of the explosion and the the gleam of Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's that's more a question that Doc would obviously be able to answer better than I would because he sees he'll see mm-hmm. him in practice he'll know much more about like his situation and how he's feeling physically and how you know quickly he f- I, I personally would just because there's no real harm to doing it um, but it all depends on obviously how he's looking in practice he still has to work back up on his conditioning even if he does start you know you're probably going to see him on some kind of like minute reduction from what we're we, you know, we're getting used to seeing him play um so he may not be playing total starter minutes right something like 20 to 25 but um yeah i 
I, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him potentially, you know, coming off the bench. And that, you know, that could give you an interesting dynamic to against this Boston team, which we know is has a lot of versatile defenders and, you know, could be without Jason Tatum again. So you want to maybe take advantage of that. Don't know if you caught the Rich Eisen show, Doc Rivers interview. Um, Doc Rivers kind of said, you know, there's been trades that have been proposed but you know in the organization there are some that doc says that he doesn't want to do them and daryl Morey moves on um and they kind of have like that working relationship but you know it, it shows you how much input daryl Morey's taking away from doc rivers in roster decisions and he kind of doubled down on you know he's happy ben simmons is here happy that you know the trade kind of didn't happen and it didn't involve ben simmons uh when talking about James Harden and, you know, Doc also said some of the best trades you make in the NBA are the trades you don't make. Um, and hopefully this is one of them thoughts on that. I mean, obviously we've seen what James Harden has been able to do without Kyrie Irving. They will all play the three Brooklyn nets, uh, you know, monster trio of KD Kyrie and James Harden tonight, but I don't know. I'm, you know, it, it's such a tough situation with, all of the the transpirings of that deal and then it's coming out that all along that a lot of people speculated that the Sixers were just going to be used to drive the price up because Tillman Fertitta uh, really does need that million dollars in his Golden Nugget commercials and didn't want to make a deal with Daryl Morey and kind of just was using him to drive the price up with Brooklyn and they eventually got what they wanted um, but kind of interesting quotes from Doc yeah you know, every team is going to have to put their spin on this. Houston will put their spin. Brooklyn will. You know, Jared Allen came out and said, I don't blame them. I would make the trade too. Um, and the Sixers will put their spin on it too. That, well, you know, we're comfortable with who we have. You know, Daryl's been setting this up all season, talking about how good, you know, Ben has looked and that, you know, the, what is he calling the Holy Trinity when they play together yeah. and how effective they are. You know, he's he's not an idiot. He knows how to to spin this in a way that's good for the Sixers and makes the fans feel good about where the team is at. Um, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the report about the Sixers essentially having a deal done, not being communicated with to give like a counteroffer, you know, after Houston agreed with Brooklyn, is it sucks. And I do get the sense that, you know, player agents are told that a trade could be expected. You know, like the, it doesn't get to that stage unless there's real advanced talks there like I, you don't you don't make that kind of phone call unless you really expect it to happen so obviously we'll never know we'll never know how close we were or, you know what truly happened but it does suck because you know it'd be such a huge upgrade for this team but now you have to move on and, and move forward I still think you know we talked about it last week you are gonna have to make some kind of move what that is will materialize at some point but um, I don't think there's any harm in you know the next few weeks just keeping the rhythm with this team we still have barely seen the team as currently yeah. constructed which feels dumb to say but you know obviously with the COVID situation we had you know we had a few players in and out of the lineup you know we just got Tobias back right and you know we had a long layoff now we haven't seen them play since Saturday um you know it's rare to have that especially in a season like this it's right. rare to have such a long layoff like that so yeah it's 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 interesting you know because it feels like we're making really sweeping judgments about this team based off of five games that we've seen from them. Um, but yet there's something still very familiar about this team, right? Because 
you know, Ben has not really shown us any improvement. Whereas Embiid, you know, you feel confident saying like this season, he definitely has looked to he's he's improved in certain areas that you've kind of wanted him to in the last few years. Like his decision making has been better constantly. You know, when he's in double teams, he isn't making these like panic decisions and turning over a ton. You know, again, he'll still improve on that and grow as a player. But yeah, you know, I, I do think we can we can be in a place where we understand that Ben maybe isn't the best fit for this team going forward, and we've known that now. Um, but also understand that this is still a very new team, and we have barely seen it. <laughs> um, how good is Shake Milton, man? We talked about it a little bit last week, but this dude has a legit shot to be the sixth man of the year. He is. He's taken his game to a whole nother level. Very similar to what we've seen kind of from Embiid, where Embiid's playing at this new level that we really haven't seen from him before. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of, but now it seems like super put together with Embiid and Shake Milton seems to just be like a dog. Yeah, and you know, this is a guy that I think we weren't thinking a lot about. You were thinking a lot about, you know, Seth Curry and Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey and Dwight Howard coming into this season and sort of forgot that Shake Milton had like even Matisse yeah right and he had impressive signs of life you know especially like uh when we returned to action last year and um that Clippers game right you know like I think people were excited about it then but so much happened <laughs> between now and and at that point that kind of forgot and we forget that he's young too this is his third year um with the team and even then it's not like he's been playing NBA basketball that entire stretch so really this is almost like a sophomore campaign for him in a way and yeah he's he's looking really good obviously he's on a, a really really team-friendly contract which is you know good for the Sixers cap situation um but yeah his his improvement so far this year and his ability to score off the bench has been huge for the Sixers because we've talked at length about how bad the bench has been for the Sixers over the past few years and if you have a guy like this I can give you 25 points you know right like that's that's more than you would get that from the bench in a lot of games you know together it, it, right like that was that was a struggle for us so now having someone like him that you can trust to come off and score and he has the confidence now too which is which is a really good thing to see um and again he's young so you expect him to improve so he's he's been great so far this year definitely one of the stories for the Sixers so far it's been him and Tyrese Maxey off the bench that have been the two guys mm -hmm. that I think have generated a lot of intrigue and a lot of excitement and hype and deservedly so because they've both been very good and it's two young guys you know it's like one of those things where I think doesn't get talked about enough where you and I have talked about it at length where the Sixers need these like cost-controlled younger players on this roster to help kind of shape things out with the core of Ben and Bede and obviously Tobias Harris's contract as well and to have these two guys in particular being guys that you drafted coming out and, and playing the way they are, I think is such a a boost for this team that we truly haven't seen over the past couple of seasons from the bench because typically it's been guys that, oh, we're going to go and trade at the trade deadline for, you know, last year with Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. Like, those were the kind of upgrades you were making to the bench to try to get this production, and now you're getting it from those quote-unquote homegrown guys. Yeah, I mean, the last time that you had any impactful bench players I think were on this level was Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ersan. Like that was that was rumors about Ersan coming back now too. Right. 
Um, but that was genuinely the last time that you you've seen players having like real impact on games yeah. off the bench for the Sixers, and um, it's it's good to have. And I think it reflects in the way that this team has played at times this year. There's still been some disappointing results, and again, you know, our inability to win without Embiid. I mean, literally, our inability to win yes. without it. It's not like this team is hampered like a lot of teams are when they lose stars. Like this team cannot win basketball games if Joel Embiid's <laughs> not playing, which is worrying um but it's it's an improvement on where we've been and i i don't think this team is that far away from really being a terror you know in and you can make the case they are right now but you know this team you know we'll, we'll have to see as the season goes on as as they you know grow together and get some more chemistry but the team has looked good in in stretches this year you have to expect that you know that's only going to improve and they get more consistent team says goodbye to dakota mathias after there's some pretty brave soldier he uh he helps beat the heat five days later see a pal uh i thought he was going to be a guy that you know would make it down to the g league bubble i thought that's where he could really find some success kind of put some new components to his game um but they open up a roster spot now don't know what they're going to do with that roster spot leave it open like they have in years past potentially convince Corey brewer to come out of retirement and lock down james harden uh but now this team, you know, they're down to 14 guys. Um, Furkan Korkmaz is back tonight, which is a good sign as well. And like we said, hopefully Seth Curry back on Friday uh, once he gets ramped back up to speed. But, you know, all in all, for the most part, outside of our guy Mike Scott, who's still recovering from that knee injury, team's getting healthier, which is a right. good sign. It's it's a weird move because a lot of the talk about what the NBA is going to be doing is expanding the roster again. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit strange that you'd like prematurely, it feels, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird move because it does feel like, all right, well, like is something, should we be worried about this or should we be intrigued by this? Something happening. Like- much ado about nothing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's definitely a little bit curious just because you'd expect that in a season like this, you know, we saw with the heat, right. Where they're having to call up anyone and everyone, right. You know, the Sixers could very well be in that same situation. At Almost were. Point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, call Mike Scott. Exactly. Injury. Which was still burns me up to this day, even though that was like a week and a half ago, which doesn't even feel <laughs> a week. And so half ridiculous. Ago. Um, it, yeah, it, it was a ridiculous situation they found themselves in, but it, it is a bit strange to, to wave Dakota like that when you, know that there's a possibility of you know kind of a roster expansion you know this season so we'll see we'll see if it's it's for anything or if it's just i don't know an accounting measure (laughs) (laughs) uh where do you sit on matisse thibault right now because i know a lot of people you know we've we've criticized matisse just for you know the lack of offense that he's been able to provide when he comes into games uh just made a nice defensive play against the celtics not too long ago to end the first quarter but you know, it's it's one of those things where uh, I believe it was on Danny Green's podcast. He had Matisse on, and he said, "You know, I always looked up to you and inspired. You know, I was always aspired to be like you, being Matisse to be like Danny Green." Danny Green said, "Screw that! Like you're gonna, you need to aspire to be better than me because where you are right now, I was nowhere near that at your age." Um, I, I feel like it's just a confidence thing right now with Matisse's offense where. Shots aren't falling, and it just continues to carry over. But I feel like once those shots starts fall, start to fall, and he can you know start ripping off those threes, 
he can be a much more you know useful player off the bench than what we've seen to start the season. Yeah, my opinion on Matisse has always been, in a way, contrarian to I think a lot yes. of other people's opinions, and that people have been very quick to kind of a write him off, but also throw him in any and all trade deals. I think if you're talking about him being used as like, you know, a, a, a piece of a hard deal, obviously, say mm-hmm. a right? But like, I I don't think Matisse is like some terrible player that people make Agreed. him out to be. I again, like, we're so quick to just write off young players. He didn't even have like really a full rookie year last year. Like when you think about it, like the way that it was, it was fractured near the end of it. Um, I I just think there's there's still something there. He has great defensive impact still. Obviously, we know the offensive struggles, but we've seen players improve that that aspect of their game. And it's not like he looks, he's not like Ben, right? Where he's at least not willing to do right. these things. Like we, we're seeing him like make efforts, right? And obviously, you know, you you want him to be better than he currently is, but. You know, and his ceiling isn't the highest. You know, we, we don't expect him to be, like, some amazing player. Like, he's not like a, a Tyrese Max where you're looking at him and think, wow, like, there could really, really be something special, special about this guy. But as far as a role player, someone off your bench, again, he on He can give on a, you, like, 10 to 12 points. Right. Like, I just... Plus the defense he plays. I just think you could do so much worse. And I think people, people forget that. And we've seen so much worse. And I feel like this time last year... Thibault was like a revelation, and everyone loved him, and now it's it's completely turned the opposite direction. And it makes you wonder if we'll be sitting here this time next year and people yeah. will be slandering Maxi. we will. You know, I, it's just that's just the way it goes. It's it's a lot of what have you done for me lately, and, you know, frankly, he hasn't done enough lately, but mm-hmm. I still think there's something there, and I don't know that I'm ready to give up on him unless it's, you know, part of a, a deal or a package that's going to get you a significant upgrade somewhere. But for right now, I, I don't... I don't really get the discourse around Thibel all that much. You know, he obviously has flaws and weaknesses as a player, but everyone on this roster does. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but this is a team full of uh, enormously flawed players. So I, it feels weird to hype, to harp on Thibel, who is our ninth guy off the bench. Like, it's like he's not even like a huge, like, focal point of the team it's not like ben simmons where it's like our right. future rests in the hands of matisse thibel and his development as a player it's like matisse thibel is like a 15 minute a night guy like he is not the, the he's what you want to eventually be what danny green is right now right he is not the deal breaker for this team he is not the guy that if he's not performing well is going to lose us a series he's the guy that if he improves will win a series you know that's that's a type right. of player i think he can be in terms of his impact off the bench but i just i don't know that's my my opinion matisse is that i still love him and we're I, a pro matisse podcast right it, we, we have been since day one right um and like i said i feel like it's just a confidence thing where once the shots start falling because like you said you know it's not like he has this unwillingness to shoot he's ripping shots they're just not falling. You know, they take awkward bounces or, you know, he just misses just slightly. Like, it's one of those things where once that one thing gets tweaked and he starts having shots fall, I think the confidence will be there. Because we saw glimpses of that, you know, confident sharpshooter last year before, you know, the shutdown and during the bubble a bit where, you know, he's able to rip those corner threes and it's helpful for this team. And if he can get, like we said, like 10, 12 and on a good night, like 15 points off the bench – with the defense that he brings to the table, that's a legit player you want coming off the bench for a championship, you know, aspiring team. Yeah, exactly. You know, so hopefully, you know, 
we'll see what happens with with any roster changes this year right obviously there will still be trades that we'll be talking about now Zach Levine is the next kind of uh trade machine partner that that so much of, of people are enjoying so you know we'll, we'll see what happens now with, with the Sixers and what they do an interesting report out of the you know, the, the James Harden trade fallout was that Ben Simmons' value around the league isn't as high as maybe people might think, and I think that's true because I think people are on to the fact that this guy doesn't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. He obviously has elite parts of his game, but you know he's a quote-unquote all-star, but he's not really like you know the all-star player that maybe you're quite expecting him to be. Um, so that's an interesting aspect of all this too when you're talking about trade value and you know. Obviously, I think Ben Simmons would have been a better piece than you could have given to a, a lot of teams. But I think that I think we'll we'll see this develop throughout the the rest of the season, and I, I expect it'll go to the off season potentially even too, where you know we'll just be constantly fielding you know trade machine questions, and you know we'll see what this team comes up with. But this is a make or break year for I think the Sixers in a way because obviously it's Daryl's first first year. I think. No Harden trade means that it's your value in getting like the next best thing is so much lower that maybe you just sit on it, but also you're wasting a year now too. So, you know, we'll see what what decision gets made on that front. On are are we going to push for a, a better fit around this team, or we're we just going to see what happens? Because again, we also haven't seen <laughs> this team is con- currently constructed a whole whole lot so far this year. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it, it's not like this team is in the basement right now they're tied for second place in the east and in kind of a virtual tie uh with the celtics for first place and if they beat the celtics tonight they'll bump up i believe by a half a game into first place so it's not like this team is you know in desperation mode fighting for every single win it's still very early um and we'll see what they end up doing the rest of the night as they currently trail 48 43 uh you know, five minutes left in the first half. But the other team that plays at the Wells Fargo Center, off to a pretty hot start. Flyers 3-1 and one after four games. They'll hit the road for the first time uh, this weekend coming up. But outside of that one shellacking that they took from Buffalo that I hope everybody bet the over on, uh, they've looked pretty damn good. You know, they're, they're scoring. Goaltending's been pretty good across the board. Uh, Brian Elliott, fantastic on Monday. Uh, with his shutout against the Sabres and Flyers, you know, Sidney Crosby last night, everybody freaking out about his game-winning goal. Well, hate to break it to you, Penguins fans. That goal put the Flyers in first place in the East. So thank you, Sidney Crosby. Who would have thought we'd be thanking yeah. Sid the Kid for doing something? Well, I think but he's an enemy of the state now, now that we have a Philadelphia fan as a president. Easily. I think Sidney Crosby is one of the <laughs> <laughs> better watches back, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's been a weird start to the year for the Flyers, but it's – four games in so you don't want to draw too many conclusions but two very strong games against the penguins and then that buffalo game the first one uh, as brutal as it gets with a capital b look like they just forgot how to play hockey right um but a good bounce back that's what you like to see is is the response in that situation and obviously there's some injuries now too to deal with Koontz is out for an indeterminate amount of time uh which is obviously not great but you know, and that showed in that first Buffalo game too. Right. Yeah. That that that's a big adjustment to have to make. So, you know, you hope now this team can can cope with that, and they get the Bruins coming up next. Um, it's hard. Who to, don't look great, by the way. Right. 
So it's like don't say, play it's down. To, it's it's hard to to say you know where everyone's level is out this this early in the season, but the Bruins haven't been performing exceptionally well. But you know, so it's it, like don't play down to the competition because I feel like this is the first kind of because I, I think a lot of people underestimate the Sabers. I said this on the episode that came out the other day where a lot of people this year are underestimating the Sabers because they've been so bad for so long. Where it's similar to the Buffalo Bills, you know, same city obviously, but. The Bills were bad for so long, and now they come out and, you know, they're playing in the AFC Championship game this weekend. Right. And you can't overlook them anymore. The Sabres, they added Taylor Hall in the offseason. Carter Hutton isn't an all-world goalie, but he's a very good goalie. And, you know, their offense can click like we saw on Monday. They they put up six goals against the Flyers. They forced Carter Hart out of the game. Um, so it's one of those things where you don't want to overlook a team like the Bruins, uh, especially with every single game this year being against the East Division, you want to build up as many quality wins as you can against the opponents that you're pretty much on paper much better than and should be beating these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think I think that you're you're right in saying too. There's a there's like a trust factor with certain teams, right? You know, especially teams. It's like the Browns, right? Like yeah, the entire season this year, it's hard to trust them because been burned by them in the past so much or you've seen them kind of flame out um yeah so it's hard it's hard for teams i think that have been bad you know pretty much this entire decade like the sabers have to get that trust back with kind of like the public um yeah i mean even even the penguins you know haven't Mm -hmm. had a hot start but a lot of that has to do with how the flyers started um yeah i mean the flyers too have been really good defensively last year and you've seen mixed results so far this year uh, you hope for some more consistency on that end, and Carter Hart. You know, you expect that what you saw against Buffalo is kind of just one of the the outliers in in what, what we hope will be a very good season. So, yeah, the Flyers are in a, a really really strong position now, um, and like you said, you want to continue to to beat the bad teams, teams you should be beating because this season, you know, especially more than ever, you know, just getting that rhythm is going to be really really important. Especially you expect that with the way the schedule is, the race is going to be tighter than in, in a typical year because there's so much more, you know, like inner, like, um, inner division play, right? Like you're, you're playing so much, so many more rivals. you like, everything's coming a lot faster too. Like the, the schedule's compacted. So, you know, I expect that this will be like a tighter divisional race than probably you, you typically would have. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, two against the Bruins on the road, then two against the devils on the road before you come back home. Uh, and get a rematch with the team that knocked you out of the playoffs, who has been playing pretty well. Uh, on top of that, the Islanders, they're right in the thick of things. Um, they've only played three games so far this season, but expect for them to you know, be in contention throughout this season in the East and you know, throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs when we eventually get to them. But great start for the Flyers. To be 3-1, and one, I think any Flyers fan would be thrilled with that in a normal season, and especially in a season like this where it's starting during the pandemic and everything, for them to be 3-1 and one and to be clicking on offense the way they are and getting that elite goaltending to carry over from what we saw last year, I think is you know every Flyers fan's dream. Yeah, I mean, you haven't seen production out of guys like Claude or, or Voracek yet either, too. You know, like that's that's been the big thing is you haven't seen them. Jake's be- been putting the work in in the press conferences. Yeah, he has. He <laughs> has. Um, Got to save some of that for the ice, I think, but... Yeah, you know, like it's, and that's that was a story a little bit of the playoffs too, though. You know, and you hope that that's not a continuation of like the, some of those lackluster performances we saw, 
Um, but yeah, you know, like you expect that guys like that will will start to to pick up rhythm as well and and get better as the season goes on. Um, yeah, and and you know, Travis Connecting was a guy that we didn't see like the best of him in that bubble, you know, playoff uh, experience. Now we're seeing him in the regular season. Four find, goals in four games. Find where he was last year a lot more often, and you hope that he has that consistency again this year and it carries on because that was another player I think you really missed. You didn't have quite the mm-hmm. same impact as you got in the later rounds of the playoffs last year. Saw a video on Twitter this morning that absolutely cracked me up. I'll have to send it to you. Is uh, Somebody put like a TV border around uh, just highlight plays of Travis Konechny, Nolan Patrick, and Oscar Lindblom with the Powerpuff Girls intro. <laughs> I did see that. That was really good. Absolutely Very apt brilliant. too, honestly. <laughs> All the, you know, their perfect flows and everything. And it's good to see the way that, you know, we talked about TK playing well, but Nolan Patrick and Oscar Limbaugh are playing fantastically to start yeah. the season, which and is... You're talking about two guys, too, that you didn't really have access to last year yep. either. You know, like, not to say that they're new signings, right, or they're new to the team, but, you know, they, they really are, you know, because we didn't New have, to AV. Exactly. You know, so having their impact as well is going to be uh, big for, for this team going forward because you didn't have them um, at all last year, actually. So, yeah, that's that's obviously big for them. Good to see your brother buckling down and making the Flyers earn the pumps yeah, this well, season. It's you got It's a strong, firm hand, and I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Soon those pumps will be brought to you by State Side Vodka. Um, last bit of uh, non-news is the Eagles still don't have a coach. And <laughs> who knows? We might be getting the call very soon because uh, it seems like they're interviewing everybody under the sun. It looked like Joe Biden today had a uh, – just a Rolodex of, of names in that giant book uh, that could potentially be candidates for the Eagles head coaching job. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know if everyone's name in that book is still living, uh, so I think <laughs> you're going to have some difficulty there. I think some of those names, um, you can even throw the ball in the NFL uh, when they were alive. Yeah, it's – it's. Um, at what point do you get concerned, or is this now the point where you tell yourself, oh, well, they're going for enemy, right, and they can't announce anything, yeah. they can't get him in for – you know, like that's – you're at that pivotal point where it's – you're losing out on a lot of these other like kind of like top candidates that have gone to other places, right? And you're sort of waiting on maybe getting an interview, maybe getting a shot at some of these coordinators that are left. And I mean, if there was teams that you'd want to be picking off of, you know, especially like the two AFC teams, you know, guys on the coordinating teams there, certainly ones you're going to be looking at. But, you know, is the Eagles job the most attractive job in the league? Not particularly. No. It's There's a lot of headaches coming with it. From what we understand, you're going to have to promise and swear and sign a blood oath that you're going to fix Carson Wentz, which is a task, you know, and that seems to be kind of the wedge that left Doug Peterson out of this team, right? It was essentially a a choice between him or Carson, and obviously they they chose Carson, and, you know, my thoughts on Doug have been that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him go somewhere like the Chargers, right, and just immediately be better, or, you know, even if he takes a, a year off, I think he's still a good coach, and mm-hmm. I think Howie Roseman still being with this team is is the biggest what mistake weasel. of all this. But yeah, it's it's not great because it know. is better than the Texans, though. Right, <laughs> but you don't want to make too much fun because how far off are we from being uh, in the Texan situation? <laughs> At least from what I know, 
the Eagles don't have a team chaplain that is right. now the president of football operations. But, but I also don't, we don't know, know that other titles that Howie Roseman holds in this front exactly. office. Exactly. Uh, we don't know what he does as a hobby or in his spare time, so it's hard to say. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, obviously they're like the the ragdoll team right now that's very easy to kick and, and make fun of. But the Eagles are in a a, a bad situation not quite as bad where they're having like a mass exodus and they don't have a direction and they don't even have their own picks um you know so they, at least they have that <laughs> <laughs> they know that even when they're bad they'll at least get rewarded with you know decent pick it's not going to go to the team that's going to give them two uh and two picks for deshaun watson uh in the next month so you got to be hoping for that though i would love that <laughs> <laughs> um you know what's interesting too is just the dolphins are in like a very win now mode mm-hmm. already. Like they made a tremendous leap this year and it's a leap that you expect to stick because the defense is very good. They've decent skill position Tua, I'm not like, I'm not out on Tua, but I wasn't impressed. Like you didn't look yeah. at anything he did this year and think, wow, that's impressive. You know, like you've seen other rookies come in and have great seasons. Like Justin Herbert, I think is the example of like coming off and just immediately I mean, arguably Jalen Hurts looked better than yeah, Tua. Exactly. You know, Tua and I it's weird because they barely even let him pass the ball very far. Like he was making like five, six yard mm-hmm. a lot of dink and dunk stuff. And I think part of that might just be how they want to play because they invested so much defensively that that's they want to be, you know not qu- like not quite the Ravens, you know, in terms yeah. of like running, but like they want to be the team that just has you know, 40 minutes of possession in a game and just win that way and just beat you 17 to eight, you know, like that's, that's, I think the direction they want to go, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, because that could have a big domino effect everywhere else. It could mean, you know, a team you might expect to be taking a quarterback doesn't, we'll see what even the jets do. Right. You know, they've, they've obviously made a good head coach. Um, decision there. The, yeah. Like there's, there's tons of, I think, other things that can happen, you know, yeah, the Colts needing a quarterback. Carson obviously been linked so much there. Um, so the Eagles are going to have some decisions to make. A lot of teams going to have lots of decisions to make. But the Eagles' cleanup job is going to be more than just this offseason. This yeah, is going to be absolutely. a, frankly, just a rebuild, um, which is unfortunate because, well, it's going to suck. But, you know, it's not even like you can say you're missing out on any prime years besides Miles Sanders, who could very well be a part of some kind of trade package. So who knows? Um yeah, they're they're in a very difficult spot because you're old, expensive, and not very good. <laughs> as much as I'm like dreading the Eagles announcing Josh McDaniels as potentially the next head coach of this team, I was so hoping it was going to happen today because WIP had like their Doug Appreciation Day, and I was just waiting for the Eagles to absolutely just drop a nuke on it and just announce the new head coach while they were celebrating Doug Peterson. Right, that would have been uh, that would have been the icing on top. <laughs> it would have been so on brand yeah, for not the way a, this team is operating. Not a particularly inspiring, no, higher decision either. Especially like, it's not like you know the Patriots' offense pretty much this entire decade has like blown you away. There's been a few good years, obviously, but you know, a lot of those came with Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, and look where Tom's at compared to where the the Patriots right. are right now. So you worry about that. But, Interesting though, the Patriots are in a similar situation mm-hmm. in that they don't have like lots of skill position guys. Um, but you know, and and that's that's obviously another issue is that you're a bad team that can't draft very well. Yep. That's not a great position to find yourself in either. So we'll see what happens. 
It will be interesting. How do you feel about uh, quarterback coach Tim Tebow to reconnect with Carson Wentz on a spiritual his, his level? spiritual guide. Um, <laughs> Former Eagles quarterback Tim Tebow used to wear number 11 before Carson Wentz. <sighs> Something about that number. Got to get him away from the Mets, though. I just think um, it's like a vanity position like to me. like That's like that's something a team like the Mets does to like drum up interest and just feels very Bush League and just Mets not... do a lot of things that are right. pretty wrong. It's like a, it's just a promo hiring and like you're not a college football team that needs like the, the fans. You're not like mm-hmm. a, a minor league baseball team that, you know, needs like a promotional thing to kind of build around. Has like, the connection though because Josh McDaniels drafted him. Right. I just... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, real meeting of the minds there. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't particularly see that. I think you can oh, just yeah, like... Oh, yeah, there's no way. I'm sure if Tebow's Tebow Tebow not has, going to the Jaguars with Urban Meyer, he's definitely not going to... I'm sure he has, like, a day rate that you could just pay him, you know, and just have <laughs> there's him... There's your team like, chaplain. Right, and just... Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> um, you could just have him for, like, the week to talk to Carson, I guess, during training camp. You, I don't think you need to make that a full-time position yeah. and you shouldn't <laughs> i just i thought of that the other day and i was like oh my god if they hire mcdaniels and he pulls tebow away from the mets to come be the quarterback coach here this city would just burn it would absolutely burn um any final thoughts nothing going on in this brain of mine tell you that much that is for sure um make sure you guys follow us on social media at underground phi on twitter and instagram Enter our Joel Embiid jersey giveaway. I'm pretty sure we are the first people on earth to announce a giveaway that involves following an account and we lose followers just because of the Twitter purge. Perfect timing on our part. Um, But enter that bad boy at UndergroundPHI. Follow us Twitter, Instagram. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorino. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you guys check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And, of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews to enter our Joel Embiid jersey giveaway. Or just let us know how you're feeling on the state of all these Philly sports teams that we know and love and always love to banter about. As we sit here on Wednesday, January 20th, Matt, currently on Apple Podcast, we have... If uh, iTunes wants to load properly, currently sitting at a whopping 275 five-star ratings and reviews, 25 away from 300. Let's hit that milestone before the Super Bowl, our anniversary. We got a lot of stuff being announced on Super Bowl Sunday, kind of like we did last year with streamer season. Some big things in the works, so uh, at Underground PHI is the place to follow to keep up to date with us and of course subscribe to the podcast apple podcast spotify google podcast stitcher soundcloud the tune in app iHeartRadio, radio.com wherever you get your podcasts we are there and we'll be back later this week who knows if the eagles will have a coach who knows if jt gets signed but if they do we will keep you up to date right here on this podcast feed again philly sports fan in the white house an eagles fan controls the nuclear codes what a time to be alive uh it could be an interesting bargaining chip when you talk about uh (laughs) you know potentially moving on from carson wentz or maybe even moving up the draft i think you you could flex some of that power i think if you really want you know what to do joe uh this has been underground sports philadelphia episode number 298 would not be possible without 
our incredible local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our friends over at Tomahawk Shades, tomahawkshades.com. Use our promo code USP to get 25% off your order at checkout. Manscaped, shout out Manscaped, hopping back on board with us. Manscaped.com, promo code USP, gets you 20% off and free shipping, and when you use that promo code, your balls will thank you. And our newest sponsor, our friends at Stateside Vodka, the one liter bottle of vodka on their website. Use our promo code to get 10% off your order of the one liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com. Super Bowl right around the corner. Load up. Get the stateside vodka ready to go for the big game. Must be 21 or older to order and please drink responsibly. And like we said, this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 298. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.